0: faithwire.com
1: Is $3.5 trillion really zero? Well, we're going to dive into that. Today's Thursday, September 30th, 2021. I'm Dan Andros, and we'll have this top story and more on today's Four and Three podcast from CBN's FaithWire. Four big stories, three things you need to know about them, all from a Christian perspective. That's what we do here. You can find us on iTunes and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We're here every day again. We would just love to have you join the party. So joining me as always, Trey (laughs) Gons-Phillips from FaithWire.com with a look at what's coming up in addition to our wonderful Common Core Math.
0: (laughs) So Dan, do you know what today is uh, other than just Thursday?
1: I mean, I know it's the last day of September.
0: Well, it's that too. But it is also International Podcast Day. So all the more reason for anybody who's not already subscribed... To hit the subscribe button and give us five stars, yeah, do it or so, seven,
1: whatever the stars are. I don't even know what. How however many there me. are, just hit all the stars. But yeah, that's great. I, International Podcast Day. This a, i didn't know that was a thing. Well, there's a holiday for everything. There's a holiday these days. for everything. There
0: is all right so coming up we're going to talk about an espn host who's calling out disney uh for its vaccine mandate she's calling it sick and scary uh then a raiders quarterback Derek carr uh, has a great faith answer when he was asked about mvp chants uh, and then the executive producer of the jesus music documentary gave us a behind the scenes look into the documentary uh, which is in theaters tomorrow so we'll have uh, some of those interview clips
1: all right very cool stuff coming up we're going to start with story number one You've probably heard a lot about the $3.5 trillion uh, bill that is being bantied about now in Congress, (laughs) and uh, they keep saying that it actually costs only, you know, it's paid for it. It only costs zero. Uh, Let's talk about that a little bit. Here's three things you need to know, starting with number one, the details. So there there are a whole bunch of things happening in D.C. right now, huge bills, and it, it can be a little bit confusing. So let's get down to the basics of what's going on. Here's what's happening. There is a $1.2 trillion physical infrastructure bill that's allegedly supposed to just pay for things like roads and bridges. Republicans and Democrats have supported have indicated support for that. Um there's also a $3.5 trillion federal overhaul. That's the one that has a lot of the new social programs. Free community college, free pre-K, free in air quotes. Um, and so there's that. There's also an attempt to avert a government shutdown since Congress hasn't separately voted to fund the day-to-day functioning of the government. And there's also an attempt to raise the federal government's borrowing limit, also called raising the debt ceiling. So we have all those things going on. The Democrats have tried to tie this shutdown to the debt ceiling debate. And so the GOP, you've seen probably seen some of that bickering back and forth. They're telling the Democrats, eh, you can... You can, uh, if you want to raise it, then you guys go ahead and do it. If you want to keep spending above your means, you guys raise the limit. That's the, that's the exact same thing, actually. Interestingly, that happened in the early 2000s, only in the reverse. It was Senators Biden and Schumer who said, who voted no on a debt limit increase, and they uh, said, "Hey, look, make the party in power handle it on their own." So it's kind of just flipping the script. So, so that's kind of what's going on, uh, in just a nutshell. Um, but since the $3.5 trillion bill is the most controversial um, and I mean, cause we're learning things. I just saw this yesterday that they're looking into, there's going to be a study if this bill were to pass in its current form that they'd want to see if they could tax by the mile that people drive. So getting taxed by the mile instead of getting taxed oh, at golly. the, at the pump. So um, it's just insane. It's, uh, according to AP, it said Biden's $1 trillion infrastructure bill, uh, currently being examined in Congress also calls for a pilot program for volunteers who own passenger and commercial vehicles to assess how much of a per mile fee could be collected if one day created. So you got stuff like that going on. So of course people are all up in arms about these bills. Um, this is how pre- President Biden spun it. He said, my Build Back Better agenda costs $0. Those are his actual words. It costs $0. Oh. So <laughs> instead of wasting money on tax breaks, loopholes, and tax evasion, et cetera, et cetera you know, blah, blah, blah. So uh, so Biden's not the only one who has said the $0 thing. He's been known to make gaffes. So um, here's, here's a few others. Here we've got uh, Nancy Pelosi weighing in on it. Not about a dollar amount. The dollar amount, as the president said, is zero. This bill will be paid for. So that she says will be paid for. Here's Jen Psaki. We can afford it. We can afford- Actually, that was President Obama. Here's Jen Psaki.
2: Some have expressed publicly that they're not comfortable with uh, 3.5, even though zero costs zero dollars.
1: Costs zero dollars. Here's former President Obama.
0: They can afford it. We can afford it. I, I put myself in this category now. A- and I... I think anybody who pretends that it's a hardship for billionaires to pay a little bit more in taxes so that uh, a single mom gets childcare support or so that we're doing something about climate change uh, for the next generation, you know, that, that's an argument that uh, is unsustainable. And as far as Democrats are concerned, I think the, President Biden is handling it exactly right. So you feel confident it's going to pass? I believe that it will get done.
1: So there's uh, a few people weighing in on, it, essentially saying it costs zero. Then you have Obama weighing in there saying that uh, just ah, it's ridiculous. Uh, people saying we can't afford it, and just completely ignoring the fact that when you spend three point five trillion dollars, there has to be an increase somewhere. So let's let's talk about this for a minute. So the the, the statement. That it, that it doesn't cost anything. It's absurd on its face. Obviously, $3.5 trillion is not zero. It's a <laughs> heck of a lot of money. In fact, I mean, it's got to come from somewhere. So, But in fact, only four countries on the entire planet, U.S., China, Japan, and Germany, have a total annual GDP of more than $3.5 trillion. So th- that, that's exa- that's the kind of money we're talking about here. Only four countries on the entire planet make more than that in a year. Uh, in GDP, so uh, so you don't you don't s- just spend that and no one notices it. Ah, eh, it's, it's nothing. Um, th- I mean, think about you know he he just kind of brushes off billionaires there, but you can't pass these kinds of expenses onto businesses and business owners and expect costs not to get filtered down. They have, there's a cost of doing business, and they've got it at a certain point, and if you raise all that, uh, it's going to come back on the consumer um so you have that i mean this is it's just another example of two plus two equals four except this time it's 3.5 trillion equals zero i mean, I I wonder how dumb they think we actually are um here's here's a fact from the committee for responsible federal budget the crfb that's a non-profit a non-partisan group uh, in washington they said the 3.5 trillion dollar bill would call for the u.s government to borrow a trillion dollars it also projects that approximately $3 trillion would be added to the national debt over the next decade because the $3.5 trillion is spent over a decade. So, number three, why does it matter? I mean, I mean unless you're a huge fan of in- inflation and, like, bread lines and stuff and gas lines, I mean, this should be fairly self-evident as to why this one matters. I mean, it's very pie-in-the-sky tray how they're uh, <laughs> assessing this thing to just say that it costs nothing and try to act like, eh, it's no big deal. Especially we're coming off the heels of a pandemic in which the government just spent trillions of dollars that we don't have in order to keep yeah. businesses closed. So, uh, you know, it's just nothing matters anymore. No, the truth doesn't matter. You know, math doesn't matter. Facts don't matter. It's just, you know, we want to pass our agenda and we'll, how we'll do it however we can do it.
0: Yeah. I mean, if this isn't like an indication that we're definitely in like a postmodern relativistic type world, like that, you can just say $3.5 trillion is actually zero dollars. So it's like, <laughs> like we, it's something that everybody knows is like objectively not the case. But when you live in a world that is increasingly says objective, you know, an objective truth isn't really something that exists. So you're able to kind of say whatever you want to say, uh, also, I'm feeling kind of nostalgic with Obama doing the spin now. Like, what? Why is he back talking about this? Like, is, he's not president at all. Uh, he's not in the government, uh, so it's just kind of odd to hear him talking as if he's like, I don't know, as if he still is right. president. Um, so, but the one thing, Dan, that keeps coming into my mind whenever I hear. Whether it's Biden or Obama or Saki saying that this actually three point five trillion dollars actually is zero dollars, I think about the Nico Montoya tweet, uh, tweet <laughs> uh, quote from The Princess Bride when he says, "I do not think the word means what you think it means," <laughs> because I, it just seems like they keep saying this, and it's like I I, I wonder if I hope like enough Americans will be like, well, I, I'm pretty certain that three point five trillion dollars isn't zero dollars. Like I think it's going to cost like the the total cost of three point five trillion is probably gonna ring in right at about three point five trillion uh it's not it's not gonna Ooh. be free so i yeah it's just is it's a crazy claim yeah. it's a weird thing to even be hearing. totally totally <laughs> so all right moving on to story number two uh because i just i, I don't even know where to go from from there Me because <laughs> uh, it's just it's so bizarre, but anyway, okay. So ESPN host Sage Steele, she's outspokenly Christian. Uh, she's rebuking her employer, the Walt Disney Company, for mandating vaccination against COVID nineteen. Here are three things you need to know. We'll start uh, number one with the details. So during a podcast interview with former Chicago Bears quarterback Jay Cutler, uh, the Sports Center host who is vaccinated, said it's sick and scary for Disney, which owns ESPN, to require its employees to take the shots. As uh, she said, "I didn't want to do it." uh, noting that Disney gave employees until the end of the month to get inoculated against the virus, so they had until today. Uh, She said, but I work for a company that mandates it and I had until today to get it done uh, or I would be out. Uh, Steele said that she respects everyone's decision uh, you know, individually to get the vaccine or not get it. Uh, she said, I have a job, a job that I love, and frankly, a job that I need. I'm not surprised it got to this point, especially with Disney. I mean, a global company like that, the mandate is what I really have an issue with. I don't know what comes next, but I do know for me personally, I feel defeated. Uh, so number two here. This isn't the first time Steele has spoken out against pandemic-related stuff. Last week, she commented on the juxtaposition of a number of uh, the number of children who were shot in Chicago or have been shot in Chicago uh, this year, which is 302 kids have been killed, uh, and mm. the number of kids nationwide who have died of COVID-19, uh, which is 214. She said, this sick trend continues as it has for four years in Chicago. Funny how no one talks about it publicly, much less does anything about it. But yes, let's keep masking up our children. (laughs) So I can't argue with that. There's a a good point there uh, about where our priorities lie. Uh, Not that both are important, but we certainly should be giving a little bit more attention maybe to the number of kids who are dying uh, of gun violence in Chicago. Uh, where guns are completely banned, by the way. Uh, all right, so number three, <laughs> why does it matter? Uh, so yesterday we talked about the number of athletes, Dan, are pushing back against vaccine mandates. Uh, I think really the issue is, is just, is a lot more complex than the media often wants to suggest, whether it's you know over legitimate concerns uh, or about the vaccination or natural immunity to vaccination or, or whatever, just people making their own private decisions. I think we just have to be careful as believers because it's not like a theologically always clear cut issue. Uh, You can make the case for vaccination, I think using scripture, but you can also make a case against vaccine mandates using scripture. Mm -hmm. I don't think they're mutually exclusive. So I think it's just something that we have to leave up to individuals to make a choice about. Uh, We've talked about this so much. It's kind of like, it feels like, uh, you know, it's just white noise at this point because we have this conversation so frequently, but I just don't think you can make this like overarching, like this is what scripture says, and this is the only way to act. I think it's a bit more nuanced than that. So, you know, I understand where, where people who are pro-vaccine come from. And I understand where Sage is coming from, too, with, yeah, I'm fine with the vaccine, but it shouldn't be mandated.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, and it's actually, in a way, I mean, I know she kind of just went ahead and got the vaccine anyway, uh, begrudgingly. Yeah. But I, in a way, it's kind of brave that she's speaking out about that because, I mean, the intensity right now of people coming out and just expressing a different opinion it's really something else it is yeah. really something else and yeah we 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 keep saying it but that is kind of the issue of the day and i really do think it's a i don't know it's kind of like a bellwether of things to come here you know and and w- what direction we're going and and um the things we're going to allow in the future yeah. based on our views and it's uh, you know i keep warning on that and it's just not a good it's not a good precedent you don't want to base it on we think everyone should do this <laughs> It's uh mm. it doesn't end well. It never ends well in history and it's not going to end well if we keep doing this. So
0: yeah, and you know earlier in the in the month there were a number I think it was 30 or so uh Walt Disney World employees in Orlando uh, who were protesting yeah. the vaccine mandate that Disney had. And Sage obviously is speaking out against the vaccine mandate, not against the vaccine itself, but the mandate. Um, and I think it's usually those when, when people like that are willing to stand up, like if 30 people are, are in a protest, that means there are a lot more generally, you know, we don't know exactly the number, but there are generally, that means there are a lot more who are just not willing to, go public. Hmm. Um, so I just have to wonder like how many people, whether it's in ESPN and, you know, some of the celebrity type people, or if it's just the everyday people working for Walt Disney world, uh, how many other people feel the same way, but are, are unable to, or unwilling to speak up. Uh, so it'd be interesting to see like what, what those actual numbers are, because I would imagine that there's probably a bit more dissent within the Disney company than, than are just the number of people mm-hmm. we we've, we've seen publicly speak about it.
1: Yeah. Yeah probably right all right let's uh let's move on story number three an NFL quarterback had some great faith perspective after a recent win here's three things you need to know starting with number one the details Las Vegas Raiders quarterback Derek Carr turned attention to God following the team's third consecutive win this season this was over the weekend uh, that hasn't happened for that team since 2002. Uh, they beat the Ravens in week one in overtime and then the Steelers in week two. And then in last Sunday's game, they beat the Dolphins uh, coming down to the wire in a close game again. And Derek Carr has performed well. And uh, here's what he said after the win, because he has had some ups and downs in his career. He's He's been an outspoken Christian about his faith, but he had some, some high, very high seasons where they were talking MVP and stuff. And so he you know, he's been there at the, at the peak, but then he's had a couple of rough seasons as well. So that's a little bit of the context here uh, before he responds to, you know, the, the announcer who was asking him, you know, about all the excitement and everything that's going on right now.
0: You know, Evan, I've, I've been through this before when I snapped my ankle, at fans, 10 MVP and all that kind of stuff. All the self glory, that stuff is fleeting. I already been through that. Uh, God took me to a place that all I want to do is glorify him and wherever he's going, that's where I want to go. And so, if it's a win, awesome. If it's not, I'm still going to glorify him.
1: So great stuff right there after that game. Uh, but he's referring to you had a massive injury that when he was on top of things and the team was rolling had a big injury and that kind of brought him really down low. So number two, um, prior to the start of the season, Carr was talking to the media and, and he did say that playing in the NFL is a blessing granted by God. Like I said, he's been outspoken about his faith. And so it's really good to see. Here's what he said before the season. He said, I believe God gave me talents to be in this position. Anybody could be the quarterback here. But in my belief, he's He's allowed me to be the quarterback here. And I'm going to continue to give this thing everything that I have. I think that I've done mm-hmm. that for seven years. So number three, why does it matter? Well, it's great perspective to hear, Trey. I mean, oftentimes you hear with these athletes, um, you only hear about God after the win, right? When they're succeeding, uh, when something goes well. But... If an unbeliever is watching that, if they don't see someone praise God when they lose um, or when it doesn't go well or when they get the injury, then what does that make them think about God? What's the general impression left? They're they're likely going to be left wondering, well, why does God just bless certain people and others aren't blessed? And I think we've got to shift away from this cultural understanding of what being blessed means. It does not mean stuff. I mean just look at the beatitudes we were going through that in church uh, our pastor here and just talking about when you look at what blessed means it's the state of your heart um and, and it's it's not the state of your bank account or your popularity or any other external circumstance around you it's the state it's the the blessing is the state of your heart and having contentment with God and whatever the situation might be and so I think yeah you know it's it's re- easy to get a misperception of that Especially when you only see the athletes like praise the positive, or you only see somebody on TV praising the positive, that's just that's just the general impression that's uh, that's kind of left behind. So good to see from Derek Carr there.
0: Yeah, for sure, and you know, I I think it is a kind of a lot of times an unintentional correlation that Mm -hmm. people see because you know we will we do have material success in this world like at different times in our lives and we should credit those to god and we see people crediting it to god all the time when they have a material success but i think there's a temptation there then to tie okay if god is going to bless me that means this is how he's going to bless me or like if god is good he's going to do this and since he did this that means he's good it's like he's good regardless uh, as, as believers were blessed regardless. Um, so it's important to remember that. And it's cool to see people kind of living that out, like talking about when they're in their low point, God is still on the throne. God is still good. He's still blessing me. Um, so it's, it's definitely encouraging to see people who through every, you know, season in life, um, still recognizes the goodness of God because his goodness, like we know, is not tied to what we experience you know every every day yep. uh, his goodness supersedes all of that absolutely so all right story number four so tomorrow the jesus music documentary which really covers pretty much all of the big artists who made yeah. contemporary christian music like a thing uh hits theaters and we spoke to the film's executive producer kevin downs and so here are three things you need to know we'll start number one with the details. So he talked with us about the growth of Christian music, which was just starting out really in the 70s and 80s, like the early 70s is when it first became a thing. And it's sort of gone through like childhood and then adolescence and is is now, I guess, maybe in adulthood. Uh, and he told us a little bit about that timeline. Here's a portion of his comments.
2: Uh, in the beginning, in the early 70s, uh, you know, it might have been like Christian music was kind of only relegated to Christian rock because that's all that kind of had been developed at that time. There was no industry. And then Amy Grant came along and and kind of did her thing. And it was such a beautiful thing to watch. Then all of these artists kind of started to find their own song. They found their own music. And they all had different and unique journeys. And, um, uh, you know, to see them kind of all come together uh, with a common theme. I love one of the messages of the documentary, which is um, the unity in the body of Christ. Um, you see that in so many of their stories. You know, they've all got stories of heartache or heartbreak, uh, whether it's Toby Mack and his son or um uh Kirk Franklin's story is so to me so compelling. Um it, it's such a beautiful, you know, authentic uh telling of what his story is and 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 some of the hardships he went through and and why he loves uh doing what it is that he does. Um, You know, they all have a commonality to their stories, which I think is what unites the stories together into this one beautiful piece.
0: So in total, Kevin said that they spoke with more than 100 Christian artists uh, and recorded more than 300 hours of footage uh, that they then whittled down to an hour and 40 minutes. I don't know how I could have done that task. Dan, of taking 300 hours of interviews and and like just picking the best (laughs) uh, and and putting it in an hour and 40 minutes. Yeah, that just seems crazy to me. So but you know, the movie doesn't just focus on the arc of Christian music. It tells the stories of several different artists like Amy Grant and Kirk Franklin and Michael W. Smith and John Cooper from Skillet, whom we've talked about a lot before. Uh, We asked Kevin what he wants people to take away from the documentary when they leave the theater. And here's what he said.
2: I want them to be encouraged and to be inspired. Um, you know, for me, uh, you know, making this film and just seeing it come together was something that was very nostalgic and reminiscent of a time that was uh, so hopeful and, and full of joy and energy, like the first time you realized that God was real and that he existed, and that he loved me. And here was this music that celebrated that. And these artists that believe the same thing that I believed and their, their music uh, was like a symphony. And and so to be able to see all of this come together, um, you know, I want people to feel good coming out of the theater and know that God loves them so much, no matter what your story is, no matter how much you've fallen or feel like that you have failed. um, God is there for you and he loves you so much. And so this is a reminder of that. It's a love story.
0: So number two, the documentary will be in theaters nationwide. Like I said, starting tomorrow. And if you followed any of the news about it, uh, you know that several of the artists uh, tell stories that have really not been shared before. Yeah. Uh, even talking about the role Billy Graham played in helping to make groups like DC Talk like a mainstream group, uh, he had a huge hand in that. And it's it's really cool to see how he how he played a role in that uh, in the documentary. Uh, Michael W. Smith talks about how God. This is a story I didn't know at all, Dan. Uh, how God spoke to him. He said almost audibly, like night after night, mm-hmm. uh, he was he was working on kind of a pop contemporary Christian album at the time. This is many many years ago, and he said night after night he kept waking up like at three in the morning or five in the morning, uh, and he said he could hear God almost saying for such a time as this, and he's like I don't. I don't know what you're talking about. Like it's probably just something in my head. I'm not going to worry about it. He would go back to sleep. Uh, He said he did that happened night after night. Uh, And then he decided, okay, that maybe there's something there. I'll listen to that. So he, he just sat down at the piano and started to write songs. It ended up being all worship songs. Like heart of worship is one of the songs that came out of this. Uh, And it was his first major, major worship album and it ended up coming out on like, they set this date way in advance. It came out on September 11th, 2001. Wow. Uh, and it ended up becoming one of his most famous records. And he said, it was kind of like, when when it, when the album came out on the day of, of September 11th, he saw what happened. He said, it was like, it finally clicked. Like I knew, oh, that was a God thing. Like that was, God knew that we were going to need something to carry us through. Uh, and he got to play a role in that. Uh, and then Toby Mac opens up about, the tragic loss of his son uh, not that long ago. So there's just all kinds of really great interviews and really cool insights about these artists' Mm. personal stories in the film. So number three, why does it matter? It's just encouraging to see these artists celebrated uh, because they've contributed so much to the music that I think we kind of take for granted these days over the year on K-Love or Air right. One or whatever. We just kind of ex- you know expect it to be there. We feel as if it's always been there. Uh, but these were the pioneers who essentially created a genre out of nothing. Yeah. Uh, so if you've got a chance this weekend, I would definitely encourage you uh, it's it's in theaters like i said starting tomorrow go to your movie theater and check out the jesus music documentary because it's it's pretty cool
1: yeah and for all of us you know christians who grew up on some of this stuff you know or you know whatever the case may be it's a nostalgia a little trip a little little nostalgic yeah. trip down all these uh, great memories and and uh, a lot of great music great times. so for sure all right, looking forward to that That is all the time we have for this episode. Today, as always, head on over to faithwire.com, cbnnews.com for more news from a Christian perspective. God bless. We'll see you back here tomorrow.